listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and this is Mornings with Mubaraka. We're streaming live on newhavenindependent.org, and I want to welcome you to the show. Mornings with Mubaraka is a show that looks at national issues from a local level through a lens of diversity. Today, we are talking about food, healthy food, and access to healthy food. We have the pleasure of having join us the City of New Haven's new food policy director. So, your city may or probably not have one of these innovative positions, right? So the sit- when we talk about food insecurity, we're talking about um, where people have limited access to either money, money or food resources, right? So this is food insecurity. Um, and so when we look at those things, we can look at it from different levels. Sometimes people look at it from a uh, socioeconomic level. Sometimes people look at it from a systems level. And every part kind of like plays as a part of the puzzle. Um, And one of the things that governments try to do is figure out where their part is and how they can effectively make change on a systems level. When the city of New Haven looked at that, looked at it, they actually developed a position, which is uh, the city's food policy director. No, no. System policy director. Food system policy <laughs> director. So we have with um, with us Joy Johannes, who is the new food systems policy director in the city of New Haven. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. Um, I was excited when I heard about the position because, of course, that, that you know, uh, health and nutrition is what I'm passionate about <laughs> and certainly uh, health for people and or nutrition rather for people who um, have limited access or and also who don't always have the resources to get exactly what they need. So tell us, Joy, tell us a little bit about, first tell us a little bit about yourself. How <laughs> did you come to New Haven and to this position? How did I come to New Haven? Online dating. My husband lived here and I met him online. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, 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 there, everybody online does not fish. That's she right. She is proof. <laughs> Yes. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, and I'm an older person. So, oh, awesome. <laughs> there you go. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> um, yes. So, I am originally from Illinois, mm-hmm. and um, my undergrad was in graphic design, and ended up per- buying my own business when I was young in my 20s, and I was a fashion designer. And I, after a couple years of doing that, I just thought this is not what I want to do with my life. Mm-hmm. So I helped start a local mission downtown, feeding the homeless and soup kitchen and food pantry and um, clothing, things like that. And I loved it. So that sort of grew. And then I started a nonprofit and we had started with about 40 kids and it grew to over 3000 families Mm -hmm. and meeting the need there. So it was just a passion of mine. 
And then the low income or the government came in and did Hope Six and sort of raised and tore down all the low income housing projects. Mm. And we no longer had a space to do our program. Oh. So at that point, and forgive me, I'm a little bit out of breath because no I was running here <laughs> to get here early <laughs> or on time. Um, um, and when they tore that down, I then went back and got my master's in city planning because I was kind of furious with these people that had nowhere to live. Um, mm. And what really came out of that was a um, really like community voice, the community having a voice in the process. Mm. So my planning background was really around, you know, community visioning, community conversations, city planning. Um, but in the midst also, I got a contract to work in Somalia on the famine relief efforts. Mm. I worked in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. I worked in Mexico City with squatter settlements. So kind of been all over in mm-hmm. the U.S. and abroad. But the common theme was food. Yeah. And... Uh, so um, when I moved here, I ended up working for an organization called Fish of Greater New Haven. And, <clears throat> excuse me, they deliver groceries to people that are homebound or have gone through major medical or have hardship getting to the grocery store. Okay. And they've been around for about 50 years. Mm-hmm. And then this position came open. And it was a great fit for me because it really brought in giving the community a voice and then being able to impact that on a higher level. Mm-hmm. And I guess I was suited for the position because I got hired. <laughs> uh, well, it certainly sounds like you were or you are. <laughs> that's that's awesome. That's a, such a, a strong history for this position, which is which is excellent. The city make, made a great choice. Tell so. Tell us a little bit about what is the intentions behind creating the, this position sure. and, the, and the need for it. Sure. So about, I believe about six years ago or so, they created the New Haven Food Policy Council. There was a group of um, food activists, people working in the community that said, hey, we want to sort of organize a little stronger around that and have a voice. And so out of that then came the first food action plan. And part of the food action plan was to actually hire somebody within city hall, within city government that could also work with them to help impact um, all areas of food in the city and looking back and knowing what I know now that was very wise because there's only 20 of these seats in the whole United States Mm. Um, and there's only so much a community can do without the government coming alongside and really being on board so this position when I first came in what I really started with was all the different city departments and said where does food tie into your department's What's going on? What can the Food Policy Council and the community be involved in? Where can they have a voice? Um, And then how can we help and how can you help us? Mm. So that's really my role as sort of that mediator, but it's really dynamic and great for me because I've been grassroots most of my life and I've been city government in other cities. So I kind of know both sides Mm. and um, advocate for both, you know, so that more people can get fed and have healthier options. Mm. What are some of the, um, tell us some, some of the, the ways that people wouldn't normally think food fit into um, some parts of city government? Um, well, I went and talked to, let me think what division this is. It's like garbage, um, garbage disposal, mm-hmm. um, like that whole division. There you go. <laughs> and um, composting. So they actually give composting bins to anybody that wants them and you can put it in your backyard mm. and then use that in your garden if you want. 
So um, I just met with every single department. And what ended up happening was there was an area that touched on food. And um, secondly, then they all, almost all of them have somebody within their department that's passionate about this work. Mm. So now we not only have the directors that are aware, but we have p- people within the department that are willing to get more active. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, also streaming live on newhavenindependent.org. This is Mornings with Mubaraka, and we are talking about food systems. <laughs> I'm going to say food systems so that I can remember that it's a <laughs> system and policy director position. <laughs> Look, do you want me to clarify systems? I can sure. kind of let that me read awesome. off. Because most people think food, they think of one or two areas, Mm -hmm. but I sort of put this into a plate and I'm going to read off the plate of all these different categories. So we have bakeries, fast food, restaurants, food trucks, cafes, delis, food vendors, meat markets, grocery stores, health food stores, neighborhood stores. We have food pantries, soup kitchens, summer meal programs, mobile pantries, faith-based meals, social groups, fraternal organizations. We have community gardens. We have food distributors, farmers markets. We have environmental issues, composting, food waste, farmers. We have worker rights, food worker rights, which usually isn't addressed. We have the nutrition education, cooking classes, job creation, food safety, food policy advocacy. Then we have school meals, nursing homes, hospitals, um, daycares, senior centers. So that's the whole gamut. <laughs> that, that is a huge umbrella. Now, you know what, what that brought to mind to me was I actually was watching, I don't know, I think it was like a video on social media where it talked about one, it was an advocacy to bring back cooking classes to schools. Mm-hmm. Tell us where you stand on that. I think it's fantastic. And actually, um, AmeriCorps has vistas and they now, oh, well, I just became aware they have food vistas. What is a food so, vista? So um, AmeriCorps, it's where a, a person dedicates a portion, I believe it's a year of their life. Um, they get a minimal salary and they're out in the community working with another agency or with somebody in that area. A lot of times it's child development, mm-hmm. but they actually have a whole set of vistas that are food related. So there's um, a food vista and a lady that oversees that that just got to New Haven and their um, whole focus is is um, like even in the cafeteria doing cooking demonstrations while the kids are eating food so they can get more healthy options and kids to try and do taste testing. Okay. Which I think is real interesting because it's kind of hard sometimes to get even teenagers to eat some healthy food. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of cooking classes around the city as well. We have Master Chef. We have um, Kids Cook. So they do it at libraries. Um, do we have of, it in any of our schools? I'm not sure because I know last night we had a meeting, um, a New Haven Food Policy Council meeting, and they mentioned that they thought that was a good idea. But then that's when AmeriCorps Vista said, um, we're already doing that and we're getting ready to start it. So that's the first I've heard of it ha- actually happening. Okay. But but, but more of a, a kind of like an after school program or a supplement, not as a part of curriculum. Right. right. Okay. All right. Yep. So th- I think that that was very interesting. The, 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 um, the points that were made for uh, this particular advocacy was that because of, you know, how busy parents are and 
most people come from a, a two working parent household or one working parent household that they're the tradition of cooking really hasn't been mm-hmm. passed down from one generation to another. So it's even for people who want to eat healthy, mm-hmm. like they literally just don't know how to cook it. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And um, it's a, it's a part of kind of like this moving of movement of teaching young people how to quote unquote, uh, I'm sorry, it's a, Hashtag adulting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and there's a there's a trend also right now. We actually just put a grant in for the city for obesity and it's dealing with multi-generational. So cooking classes, not just for the child, but for the entire generation. And that's where the grandmother can teach what she normally cooks. And then the person advocating the class can say, instead of frying chicken, let's bake the chicken Mm. and show them how to do it with you know, cornflakes or something that's a little bit more healthy. So it's still the traditional, it's still what they're used to eating, but it's right. healthier. So there's a lot of movement around that right now, awesome. which is exciting. Awesome. Yeah. And keeping things within that people's cultural taste buds. Exactly. I think that that's, that's super important. Absolutely. That's really important. Um, when we talk about um, food systems in the city and related in relation to um, food insecurity, Mm-hmm. Where 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 is New Haven in food insecurity, and um, what's some of the, our goals towards that? Um, well, I'll just give you a little bit of of background here. Um, so, we have a very high food insecurity rate when you look at the rest of the state, um, and we just finished our first. Um, let me back up a little further. So we have our food action plan, which I looked at, and that was done in 2012. And there were some pieces of that that dealt with food insecurity, but there were large chunks that weren't in there. And there's other things like um, worker rights, food worker rights, restaurants, things like economics. So I said, the first thing we need to do is to look at food insecurity in the city as a whole and dig down a little bit deeper than have you been hungry this month? Because a lot of the USDA questions, a lot of the surveys that's done is just, have you been hungry? And most of us have. Um, So we just finished the first New Haven Food Insecurity and Access Survey. So it's about insecurity, but it's also, so in other words, being hungry. And then secondly, do you have access to the grocery store or to health options and healthy food options? So, so, so so let me pause you for a second. So um, what is the city of New Haven's definition for food insecurity? Beside, is it more detailed than have you been hungry this month? Well, that's what I did is I put a survey together based on my experience at Fish. So at Fish, we had, an, to give you an idea, an average of 900 calls a month that we couldn't even get to those people. Um, so, These are people who say, I have no food in my house. Exactly. Okay. So having worked in that for a couple of years and having worked with the other pantries and the soup kitchens and been in the food, food assistance working group and like, how do we deal with this? So I've been at the grassroots level. I've seen the need and I've taken the phone calls and I've been up nights delivering food to people and knowing that we still have this big gap. Um, so that's the first thing. One of the first things that I wanted to do was let's get let's find out what the real gaps are so that the city can come up under and help build, you know, fill in those gaps or network those gaps or help build capacity through grant writing or, you know, bringing or like the biggest need right now is the capacity within the food pantries. So a lot of times they can get food donated, but there's not enough staffing. 
So one of the one of the creative ways that just happened through a couple of conversations. So we were looking at food waste in the city and we had a food. Um, let's see. How do we call it? Reclamation and redistribution summit, which was around food waste. And that was in June. And what transpired out of that, there's an organization called Com- um, Community Plates. And they're, um, let's say a food distributor or a restaurant has excess food, they call them and they have food runners that then will run the food from that place to a soup kitchen or food pantry. Mm. So we started gathering what was really happening in New Haven because there's all these pods, but nobody really knows the full picture. So that's really been part of my um, role. So as we started pulling that together, um, I talked to Downtown Evening Soup Kitchen And their chef was spending three hours a day. Now they have one full-time guy that stocks shelves. They do a soup kitchen and a food pantry. um, And they have two part-time people and that's it. And they feed 125 people every night. Wow. So their chef, their main chef, who's part-time, was spending three hours a day picking up food from food waste, you know, organizations. So all I did was connect community plates with them and now the community plates runners are picking up and now that mm. builds capacity at fish so they can feed more people mm. so that's a tangible example of the things that i'm trying to do is mm-hmm. is and i think the city's view is that more of that networking but really seeing the full picture right. and not controlling anything but just letting people know about Connecting what's going on together exactly Oh, okay. So another really creative thing and exciting thing that's happened is Claire from Cornucopia. She has the Cornucopia mm-hmm. restaurant. She's working with the Girl Scouts and they're going into faith-based um, churches and places like that that have kitchens, that have full kitchens. And they're bringing in the older ladies in the kitchen that love to cook. And they're teaching Girl Scouts how to cook. And then those meals are available for those people in the community. Oh, okay. So right. there's a lot of real creative stuff like that going on, but if people don't know about it, you can't partner right. with it or be aware right. of it. Right. Now, are you, is there, um, this is a lot of uh, really good information. Is there a, a resource, um, like is, does the food policy, um, department have, or have a, uh, an online resource that people or, or nonprofits can, um, see? I just created that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so you're, awesome. you're right down the right vein. So let me just clarify. Great minds, things alike. Exactly. So let me clarify a couple of things. So first, there's the New Haven Food Policy Council. So okay. that's like a commission. It's appointed by the mayor, and they advise on things food-related. Okay. Okay? Then there's my position, which is different than that, and I don't oversee them, and they don't oversee me. So I am under Martha Okofer, under um, Community Services. Okay. Um, and... So I'm seated in, I'm a city employee. Okay. And then we have under the New Haven Food Policy Council, there's all these working groups. So there's a farm and garden working group. There's a food assistance working group. um, There's cooking care working group. um, There's summer meals working group. So there's these different working groups that are already working on these issues. So um, going back to your question, I forgot your question. (laughs) Just okay. Clarify. What were we talking about? We were talking about, well, you were explaining your position and then uh, we were talking about, oh, that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) um, The original question was about where we were in terms of food insecurity um, in the city and what we're doing to to, uh, 
uh, bridge that gap. Yep. And then we started talking about kind of like connecting people to resources. Right. Um, and you said you had just developed um, the New Haven. Okay. The, yeah. So that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. So given <laughs> I had to backtrack myself, there we go. So given that I'm in city government, uh-huh. um, we have our own city website. New Haven Food Policy Council has their website of updates that's tied to the city um, website. And what I felt was needed was a portal for anybody working in food, wanted to work in food, or needed food in the city. So okay. it's called um, NH for New Haven foodconnection.com okay and let's say you need food you'll click on there and you can go to the get connected site which will connect you right with where the food pantries are um if you want to get a food vendor license you can go on there and you want to h foodconnection.com dot com okay. yep. yeah so it's it's pretty neat because it really pulls it's it's like that information sharing piece uh-huh. that's missing will now be there so give it a little time. I just got it up. We're in the middle of sort of building these areas, but okay. at least we have it up and functioning. Awesome. Awesome. So um, tell us a little, tell us a little bit more. So we, uh, the, the previous um, thing that we were talking about was where the city is in term of food insecurity. So sure. we're higher than the state in terms of, and um, the def we, well, we, we, I don't think, well, I didn't get a clarification. So the definition of food insecurity for the city of New Haven, is it people who are hungry with a certain times within a month, within a week? How, how does the city define that? Sure. Um, I don't know that we have a definition. I will tell you on our, the survey that I created, it was, we looked at a month. Um, have you not eaten in the last month? Have you been hungry in the last month? Have you reduced your meals because you didn't have enough money to buy meals have you um foregone your meals so that your children can eat things like that so those were the questions around that and then secondly you know how do you get to the grocery store how long does it take you what are your major obstacles in getting food and then the next part was around healthy you know how many times do you eat or even we also put the question do you get snap benefits and if you do do they cover not cover your month and if not how many days so that was the most I think astounding for me, which I'm not surprised, but I was surprised. Um, there were quite a few that was over half the month didn't cover. Mm. Um, so you're looking at, you know, 15 to 16. benefits did not cover half of their month half the of, month. Foot of yeah. food. Wow. The average was between 10 and 15 days, wow. um, which is pretty substantial. So that's the, that and the transportation piece were the two biggest pieces that I think need to be looked at. There were a lot of people. So let me just go back to the survey. So there were 52 local agencies that administered the survey for us. And what we did was we invited everybody that was, so we did healthcare, we did doctor's offices, we did mental health, we did faith-based youth re-entry population. We did homeless shelters, um, we did the AIDS project. I mean, we tried to hit any social service agency in town and said, we have this survey if you want your people to take it and have a voice and have some input. So that's sort of where we vetted it out. And then we ended up with 651 responses in two weeks. Wow. It was just amazing. That is. And the last question was for them to answer, how do you think we can help end hunger? How do you help that? How do you think that we can help hungry people in New Haven? And so we ended up with over 302 responses from them on that alone. Wow. And then the second part, um, so I'm answering your question in a little bit, a couple steps here. Mm -hmm. 
So then September is National Hunger Action Month. So I had decided that the first two weeks we were going to focus as a city on taking actions to hear from the people. And so I put 16 idea boards around the city and they were posters that had a question, you know, same thing, you know, what do you think we need to do to help so that people don't go hungry? Um, what are the top three priorities that you think the city should be working on? That kind of thing. And mm-hmm. it was all based on that, those categories I just read to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got a lot of responses from those. And then we held, held community meetings at the libraries. So through all of that, we ended up with over 600 ideas. Mm-hmm. And all of that's coming together this Saturday for our food visioning workshop. Mm-hmm. And we've invited the community to come out. It's at Hill Career High School from 12 to 4.30. And we're going to take all of these ideas and put them into goals, strategies, and actions. You're going to take 600 ideas? We are. Are you sure you're only going to be from 12.30 to 4.30? We are. (laughs) I've done this in many cities across the world. 12.30 for 600 ideas. (laughs) Bring your thinking hats, people. We got to do this in a timely fashion. (laughs) No, it's going to be very structured. And, you know, like you'll have a table of, of transportation or mobility or, you know, urban gardening, and you'll sit at whatever table that you want to work with and you'll break those down. So okay. it's really going to be fun. Um, okay. right. So out of that, then will come our actions for the city because we are public servants and I come from grassroots up. Um, and that's the way I believe in, in working for a city and with the city. Um, and so that's, that's going to be our stance once mm-hmm. we hear from the people and then we'll vet that through the city departments and then also the board of alders and get their input. And then one more time at, back out to the people. And then we'll officially accept that as our working document. And that's going to be what we move forward on. So when you looked at um, the surveys, you said that one of the, the, the surprises for you was how the length of time people suffered from food insecurity mm-hmm. Um what are it, can you think of any innovative things that that came up when pe- when people answered the question of what we can do for hungry people? Um, there was two things that came up recently that I was I was pleased with and a little bit shocked, um, but glad to share. And one was we increased the summer meals this year. So generally, when the kids are in school, they eat, and so we have these school facilities um, with staff that can cook, and so the the um the working group that works on that's been working with the board of ed and they basically have these summer meals then for kids at the school locations and at different locations around the city during the summer Mm -hmm. um this year the the connecticut food bank actually took their mobile um pantries out so while the kids were having their meal um and they had these meal trucks that are like Mm u-hauls so while they're having their meal and trays the parents were getting bags of groceries Oh, and wow. they served almost 1,400 extra families in like eight weeks Wow! that had never visited a pantry before and had Ooh. never been signed up. So that was really telling for us. And that's something that the Connecticut Food Bank is going to look at what where food deserts are and where they really need to be in the community. Okay. And that's also something that came up on the surveys. We would like to have something in our area. So now we're going to connect those two. Okay. Um, the other one was really interesting. Um, a gentleman came to city hall who works with some of the, um, the homeless camps and he actually lives in the homeless camps with the guys that he serves mm. and he's always looking for meals for them. So okay. uh, you have to define a homeless camp for okay. me. <laughs> so, um, there are people that live in tents uh-huh. and on a plot or on a piece of land somewhere 
in so, the city. So it's like designated that this is for homeless people or they no. just created their own community? They created their own community. Okay. So there are these little camps around. Um, I I know where a couple of them are. I don't know where all of them are. Okay. I know they're out there. And that's a community that I've worked with outside of my job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when he came in, he said, my guys don't have food tonight. Where can we get them? So I connected him with community plates because they pick up like sandwiches from Trader Joe's Mm -hmm. and then they would be able to drop those off. And I, and I then let him know there's at least three different groups that I know of that are going directly to camps, taking food, um, during the week. Mm. And those just came to my knowledge so I shared those with him and he said, well, they're not coming to my camp. And so I said, will you let me know what camp that is? Mm. So now that will be a strategic thing that we will, that I'll probably even do this week is try to find out where they're going and then connect the two of those. Mm-hmm. And, and how does, um, uh, so does he, does this person, and the, it, is this um, very common of actually had never heard of, of uh, homeless camps. Yeah. <laughs> um, does this person, does he only, um, um, stay in well at one camp or is it different people at different camp or this is his personal thing it's not an organization it's just his personal. he has a nonprofit, um <laughs> and i'm not real familiar i mean again he just came in this week and my okay. um he came he was talking with the mayor about something and then my supervisor and he my Martha said, go over and talk to Joy because she's the food person. Mm-hmm. And then I connected him with some resources and, and things that will be able to help supplement what he does. Wow. So, If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Mornings with Mubaraka on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, also streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. And we're talking to Joy Johannes, the... Off the food systems and policy director of the city of New Haven. I got it. I think I got it. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking about food insecurities and food systems and making sure everyone has access to healthy food. Um, one of the things that in the city itself that I am actually quite proud of that we do in New Haven is we have a um, we have, I think, I don't know what other cities, so I'm going to go out on the limb and say an extensive uh, network of urban farmers and community gardens. Mm -hmm. And that has been used as a way of giving people to access to healthy foods. So am I being uh, a little self-centered when I say in New Haven, we have an extensive... We do. We do. And and I would say in general, also, in addition to that, um, we have a very active community that wants to be part of helping people's lives also, mm-hmm. whether that's health, whether that's gardens, whether that's, um, and again, another example in the Hill, there's a lady that runs a community garden that teaches young um, teenagers how to garden. And mm-hmm. then she's now, um, they're cooking ec- or they're growing extra for people in need in their neighborhood. Okay. You know, right. just awesome. exciting stuff like that. So yeah. absolutely. And and for the community gardens, what's your role in, in helping with that? Or do you, uh, is it just awesome and you just like, oh, we have that? <laughs> no, um, again, I think it's, my view is more collaborative. So okay. I met with um, the New Haven Land Trust and Common Ground and... Um, 
uh, New Haven Farms. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the major um, gardens here. And just said, you know, what are you guys' needs? Because I think that's the biggest, what do you do and what would you like to do and how can we help? Um, and so my question to them was, what do you do with the excess produce? And they said, a lot of times we hang it on the fence and somebody comes and gets it. And I said, what do you, what would you like to do with it? And he, and they said, we'd like to get it into the neighborhood more. So that was a couple conversations where now they're working closer with the board of alders because they know the need in the neighborhood and Mm. social services within their um, neighborhoods Mm. um, so that people know they can come down and get produce and vice versa. Mm. And another thing is we're talking about having a plot in some of the gardens where it would be specific for the community. So for instance, if you loved a garden, we would give you an extra plot and one would be yours and one you would grow for the community. Okay. Okay. And this would be inside of the inside common ground Mm -hmm. or inside of one um, of the gardens, one of the Mm -hmm. gardens, one of the larger ones. Yeah. And when we is, I should say, is it, is the community gardens impacting food insecurity? Some, some of the, so in, and I don't know a lot of, a lot of the people that run community. So I'll make that disclaimer. (laughs) I know about three of the people that run community (laughs) gardens. And one of the things that I actually have heard more than once is the challenge is actually getting the food to people and getting people involved in the garden. Mm -hmm. Um, So my question, I guess, is when we talk about um, reducing food insecurity, what it, how do we overcome that challenge mm-hmm. and or is it just these are anomalies mm-hmm. do people just you know or well i think i think there's people that like to garden and people that don't know how to garden and people that don't like to garden three categories so <laughs> which so one that's are you? my view <laughs> okay it's not the city view okay that's my, i don't like to garden i grew up gardening for 20 years from the yeah. time I was little, that's all we did. I lived on a farm. Okay. okay. Um, so so I'm not a gardener. I love to eat it. If somebody will grow <laughs> okay. it, I'll go to farmer's markets and buy it. So okay. there's people yeah. like me. There's people that, um, and we've heard this a lot too, if parents are working one or two jobs and have kids, a lot of times don't have time to garden. Okay. So, mm-hmm. um, and to backtrack just a little um, there's an Alice report, which is an asset liet asset. It's basically the working poor. It's through United Way. It's called A L I C E, and it's asset limited working employed. And in New Haven, fifty three percent of the working population is still food insecure. Mm-hmm. So it's astounding. So that's a big subgroup that we need to look at as a city. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need to look at as a city the elderly population that are living alone. So we just had a new program called Commodity Supplemental Food Program, CSFP. And they're now, um, we're getting these big boxes of food for the seniors, um, but we're scratching the surface. Right now there's approximately, I believe the number was around 6,500 low-income senior citizens living alone. Mm. And of that number, like 3,200, 3, I believe, are women. So I think about my grandmother, if she was living alone, that's somebody that I think we really need to reach out to. Um, They're getting rides or walking to the grocery store or riding the bus. And then a lot of times the buses make them put their carts down or fold them up. So they're 
pulling the groceries out, putting them back in, and mm. some buses limit the number of bags. So that's an, a population we need to look at. Mm. Um, there's also um, Jason from the city was talking about, he oversees the youth, um, this population of youth that has sort of aged out. We have this homeless population of youth that's not being addressed mm. or looked at. Um, so I think those are some big people that are homebound that have gone through surgeries, you know, broken their leg or whatever and have a hard time getting to the grocery store. Mm. Those are areas that I would like to look at immediately mm. because those are people groups that we're not reaching any in any in very many forms right now. And those are def- those are definitely the populations that have to they need government to yes. step in. They yeah. need it, it's not about uh individual kind of like making choice. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. Okay. How much of healthy eating is systems related versus individual responsibility. I've, I've asked this to other, you know, health and wellness guests. So, so what's your take into that on, a little bit further? Describe that further. Uh, so when we talk about making healthy eating choices, uh, there's always this debate of, well, people need to take personal responsibility and just choose healthier things versus, well, uh, there's no grocery stores and it's really the government's fault because there is economic problems around that can't be addressed from a personal level. And so we know that it's a combination of mm-hmm. both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but how, how is, is your, is your, or is your position at all addressing the individual kind of like, uh, um, I, I guess incentives of of getting people to make healthier choices when they do have access, or are you fo- really focused on kind of like the not access? And what do you think is is kind of like the level of percentage of that? How much do they affect mm. one another? Oh gosh, that's that's, <laughs> that's like, like, like a four day question. <laughs> a little complicated, but, but let me which, let me crunch that do? down. Hey, um, if you can do six hundred remarks <laughs> from twelve thirty to four thirty, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, I'm I think, that one too. I'm hold you to that one. <laughs> I think one of the biggest ways that can be impactful immediately are the um, doubling SNAP benefits. So if you go to a farmer's market and you have food stamps and you have SNAP, up to $20, you can spend $20 and they'll double it. So you can get $40 worth of produce. Right. Um, so that we're actively trying to get that happening also in the grocery stores. Mm. So that when people use it, then there's a benefit there in saying, well, this is too expensive. Right. Um, so now it won't be. Um, so it's free money, basically, right, right. you know, to go towards that, that healthy thing. It makes a lot of sense because people, particularly if you're working, you may not even have yep. the opportunity to go to a farmer's market. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, I think the other thing is uh, the Connecticut Food Bank is also... Um, and C- City Seed has mobile farmer markets that are going throughout the city, and I know they're looking to expand that as well. Okay. Um, staffing is always a problem. So you're so, trying to. You're, it, it sounds like what you're doing is giving people kind of like options. access yep. to those options, mm-hmm. so that they can mm-hmm. take personal responsibility, right, when they're able to, right, awesome. or like the food pantries right now. They, they're getting a little bit more produce, mm-hmm. but not a lot. So one of the initiatives we're working on is gleaning in the farmer's fields of the produce. Stack. So the produce that doesn't look perfect, okay, um, that they may not be able to sell at a farmer's market or sell to a grocery store, somebody can come and glean that, and then it can be donated to a food pantry or soup kitchen. So it's an abnormal-looking 
apple or it's an okay. abnormal tomato. Okay. It's still a tomato. Right. It tastes the same. Right. <laughs> um, you know, so the, those kind of things and also initiatives around the corner stores having more produce that's reasonably priced. Um, so I think those, I think also we're looking at cooking classes in community gardens, mm. um, you know, sort of networking some of these things together mm-hmm. and then bringing youth in and bringing the multi-generations in. Mm. So more that collaborative, let's educate. Um, so one of the things we're doing at the visioning, which I'm excited about is we're actually going to have childcare mm. and the kids are going to have, make these bracelets. Mm-hmm. And every time they make a healthy choice, they're going to push a bead to, there could be 10 beads on the bracelet. And every time they make a healthy choice, they'll push a bead to the right. And every time they make an unhealthy choice, they'll push it to the left. And the goal is to make 10 healthy choices a day. Awesome. So, you know, it's little things. Yeah, but Adults can use that too. I know. <laughs> I, I, can I, I like it. that. I might give that to some of my clients. Yep. <laughs> Start making some healthy choice beads. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, this was really, really enlightening. And I really enjoyed uh, talking to you. So tell us one more time as we come to the end of the show about the... Um, about the event on Saturday. Sure. So um, again, so we're taking these 600 ideas. A lot of them, not a lot, but quite a few are multiple. So a lot of responses were we need more SNAP benefits. Mm -hmm. So that's probably going to be a hundred of the responses. (laughs) Um, So again, we'll just have tables of, of different areas that you can work on. And it's, uh, it's at career Hill. Am I saying it right? Hill regional career high school. Mm -hmm. Um, from 12 to 4.30, we're providing rides, food, child care, and bilingual services. Okay. If people need a ride, they need to call me at 203-815-7407. Um, or they can email me at jjohannes at newhavenct.gov. Um, and we're just really hoping that people that are passionate about this, that want to help, put these things into action um, will show up and hopefully, and like I said, we'll have food. Hopefully we've covered the basis so that people don't have reasons why they can't come. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. I enjoyed it. Thank you. If you are just tuning in, then you have just missed a very enlightening conversation with the city of New Haven system and food and food policy director, um, Joy Johannes. And you've been listening to Mornings with Mubarak on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, also streaming live on newhavenindependent.org. I want to thank you for listening and invite you to join us every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Remember, we want to be the voice for things that matter to your life. So you can suggest a show topic or a guest by going to morningswithmubarak.com. Following me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of that great stuff. <laughs> <laughs> At Fit Muslimah, you just put F-I-T-M-U-S-L-I-M-A-H, and you'll find me everywhere underneath that. Um, and I want to thank you for listening, and I want to remind you, as I do every Wednesday, be a voice and not an echo. <laughs>